You're listening to the Sermon Podcast for the Peak Church, located in Apex, North Carolina. Our church is striving to welcome all who are feeling disconnected from God. And so our hope is that over the next several minutes, you will connect with the God that we are talking about, and you'll resonate deeply with the life that this God wants for you. We hope you enjoy. The scripture passage for today is from the book of Proverbs, chapter 16, verses 21 through 25. The skilled mind is called discerning, and pleasant speech enhances teaching. One who has insight is a fountain of life, but the instruction of the foolish is folly. The mind of the wise makes their speech insightful and enhances the teaching of their lips. Pleasant words are flowing honey, sweet to the taste and healing to the bones. There is a path that may seem straight to someone, but in the end, it is the path of death. This is the word of God for us, the people of God. Thanks be to God. Church, how are we doing today? Good. Yeah, I heard a woo. I'll take it. I'll take it. So we are continuing our What the Tech sermon series, Spiritual Tips for the Digital Age. Last week, we kicked it off with thinking about how technology can sometimes warp where we're seeking approval, right? Instead of seeking God's approval, we're seeking approval from each other, especially in the age of social media. And today, we're going to continue that conversation about technology and the role that it plays in our lives as we're seeking to be faithful Christians, having to be real about the digital world that we live in. And so today, we're going to have an interview with Eric Chancy, and I'm actually going to have him introduce himself. Thank you. Good morning. I'm not going to introduce myself. Instead, I'm going to ask the fourth row, would you please get out your smartphones? We know you have them. (laughs) It's okay, for what it's worth, I have mine too. (laughs) And if you wouldn't mind, take a minute, I want you to find me online. My name is spelled E-R-I-C-C-H-A-N-C-Y. This is how we do things now when there's a new person in the neighborhood. I I see you're familiar with this concept, okay. Or when there's a new kid in school, or when there's a new person, maybe even in the congregation, or you're out in the world and a single person, and you're interested in finding out more before you potentially go on that first coffee date or lunch date or anything else. What have you guys found that has my name attached to it? Uh, 
Director of Student Transfers, Wake County Public School. We're not having that discussion here today. <laughs> what else? I am, it's close. <laughs> that was dirty to pull that No, up. look, it's public information. It's public information. He didn't post it, right? It's just out there. What else? What else do you have? Voice actor, okay. Did you come across the Dothan, Alabama kid? Yeah, if you look, uh, there's a defensive tackle in Dothan, Alabama who had a great game last week because I got a Google alert about it because my name is attached to it, my name. We share the name. If you, if you continue to look, okay, and, and the point really is that I have a social media presence and I'm 51, 51 years old. But um, you, with the Carolina Tar Heel shirt on, and oh, you also, okay, we're a big Carolina family here, I got it. You guys are gonna have a social media presence too. You are, eventually down the line. You may not have one right now, but you will. And most of us will, just because there's public information out there about us. But what we put online also is going to define what, ultimately becomes our identity to other people and our reputation. And other people are gonna make decisions about whether they wanna interact with us or whether they don't wanna interact with us or whether maybe they wanna hire us or, you know, and, and so one of the reasons that I need to know what else is out there, um, and this is not to make light of anything, there are three identities of me in North Carolina. Two of them, are largely revolve around Bladen County. One uh, was unfortunately in a, in a terrible homicide last year. And then there's his dad of the same name that I need to know about because I need to be able to differentiate he and I. My reputation online is defined by the things that I put out there and the opportunities that I will have available to me or maybe not have available to me start to revolve around that. So as we're continuing this series, thinking about how we can have a healthy relationship with technology and, and even how we can use technology to grow our faith, right? Not just figure out how to exist alongside it, but even benefit from it. Um, we, if you remember back to the sermon last week, we're revolving this whole sermon series around a quote from one of the church fathers, one of the kind of founding people of the Christian faith who is really influential in spreading the gospel and growing the church. His name is Augustine, and he has this quote about sin that basically says, sin can't exist outside of good things. What sin really is at its core is a distortion, a corruption of something that was once good. And we're using that as this kind of anchor for this series because I think that technology is often the same way. It has so much potential to be a really good thing, to in fact make our lives better in a lot of ways, but it also has a lot of potential to get corrupted, to get twisted, to become something that actually has a negative power in our lives. So, Eric, I'm going to put the ball back in your court and ask if you would just share, like, what are some of those dangers of technology, some of the ways it gets corrupted, some of the ways that we misuse it? Well, first, let me, let me frame this. I am in no way, shape, or form an expert. My, my focus is on 
how do I assist young people through my work with Wake County Schools in looking forward at how society and technology may affect them in the long term and what kinds of things they can do to promote and what kinds of things they want to avoid to try and keep from undercutting themselves. Um, the second part of that is to say you're an expert in social media is to say it's going to change in about an hour so you're no longer an expert. So as much as anybody can be involved, I just try to be involved in the conversation. So when we're talking about the dangers, one of the dangers is that people really aren't painfully aware of what's really involved when technology comes into play. And I'll give you an example. Um, when you download an app, all of you take ample time to read through all... You don't? Really? I don't either, okay? Through that EULA, E-U-L-A is the acronym. Anybody know what it stands for? End user license agreement. Now, he said that very definitively, and you've read through every single one that you've ever agreed to, right? That Here's makes the thing, one. Folks. Yeah. Here's the thing, folks. Those EULAs are very specifically written in a way that is not about protecting you. It's about protecting the company that is providing you said service. And I say that very tongue-in-cheek because when we think they're providing us a service and that we are the consumer, we are not. We are not the consumer, okay? We are the product, whether you realize it or not. Because when you submit, post, anything else, that data no longer belongs to you. It now belongs to the company. You are a, an aggregation of data, you are a collection of uh, information, and you are a dollar sign to a company that you've given this information to. I am not here to be the technology boogeyman, by the way. I use it. It's in my day-to-day -day life. I don't expect anybody to walk out of here and go, I'm never using this thing again. More than anything, I'm very interested in people knowing how to use it to their benefit and being aware. And one of the dangers is not being aware of how that information is being used outside in the rest of the world. Are any of you aware that Congress, about six years ago, passed an act that allowed internet service providers to sell your data without your knowledge? You did not have to sign anything extra. You didn't have to agree to it. They can just take your collection history and send it off, and they will package it and sell it as broadly as they can because it continues to roll in. You know, YouTube is a great example. YouTube is creator content, and we all get to have a voice. That's fantastic, but you're not really the benefactor of that. YouTube is the benefactor of that. And if I could find a way to have other people do my job and then have other people pay for the content that came in to do my job, that would be a great way to go. And that's exactly what's happening. It's Facebook, it's Instagram, and that's not to say don't use them. That's not to say don't participate, but that is to say be aware of the fact that it is using your data regularly and daily to benefit them. 
So when we talk about dangers, make sure that you understand it's a two-way conversation. You're not just the recipient, or you're not just the consumer. You are a product. And then there's this presumed air of anonymity that is also very dangerous, where I can say anything I want and the world can't respond back. Well, in fact, A, they do, and B, if my sense of self is wrapped up in the likes that I get on a post and I'm not getting the response that I want, then there are mental health concerns that start to build and go along with that. That becomes very dangerous. Um, the second side of that is that once I put it online, it exists in perpetuity. In fact, uh, do we have any network engineers here today? Okay, we had one. Okay. If I, well, if I send you a message just via phone, how many servers does it pop across? Minimum. Minimum is two, and then it could be a ton. And data gets dropped on every single one of those servers, right? Information about the IP, the MAC address, possibly the entire message, the images that are attached, all of that stuff goes with. Okay, so it's very important that you understand that even though you've put your Snapchat filter on 20 seconds, that it's not gone. And if you've deleted it from your phone and they've deleted it from their phone, it's not gone. And if anybody really needs to find it, that is a possibility. And finally, on, on health, or on dangers, health, your own health, sleep, focus, attention, potential addiction. My phone is actually charging at night in another room entirely because I am painfully aware that while I've been sitting here, twice I've gotten notifications on said phone. Anybody here, while you've been sitting in the chair, received a buzz or a notification that your phone's gone off? Some people are still, the hand's still under the chair. It's okay. It's all right. But some of us wake from a dead sleep. Literally, you know, REM sleep actually gets disturbed, and this has been studied. REM sleep actually gets disturbed because people are responding to the potential notification on their phone. Whether you actively get up, grab it, take a look at it or not, you know it happened, and that has stirred you out of a REM cycle. If you've been finding yourself kind of not getting, you know, quite restful sleep, maybe try moving that to a different place. Yeah, thank you, Eric. I really appreciate how you began this whole conversation by reminding us how much other people's perception of us can be based on how we show up online. Because that's a very real concern for plenty of reasons, right? Making friends, going on dates, getting jobs. They told me here at the peak, they looked me up online when I came to interview. Like, this is very real. But I also think as Christians, we have an extra level of responsibility, not just to ourselves, but to each other and to God for how we show up in the world. As Christians, it's our job to bear the image of God, to be little Christs in the world, that when people look at us, see us, interact with us, they know that we are Christians by how we love one another, by how we serve, by how we give, by how we're humble and gentle and kind. That is our job as Christians. And so the digital world adds this whole extra layer of thinking about how we are presenting ourselves, not 
to be fake, right? Not to pretend to be someone else, but just to be real about the fact that what we do has consequences, not only in that one face-to-face -face interaction, but potentially could follow us for the rest of our lives. But again, as Eric said, and as I said last week in my sermon, the goal here is not to say that technology is all bad and that we should all just go off the grid. The goal here is to be honest about the role that technology is playing in our lives and in our faith, and to think about ways that we can actually use technology for good. So Eric, why don't you share with us some of the, the good things that technology offers us? Great things that technology offers are, well, let's start with connection. I mean, part of the reason that many of you are here this morning is connection. And so the internet offers the opportunity to be connected in all kinds of ways with all kinds of people from across the globe. Um, I personally participate in some groups on Facebook. I, I collect coins. And there's immense knowledge in some of those groups that goes along with old coins. And then there are also some people, and it, I just experienced it this morning, where someone posted, hey, is this, you know, is this worth anything? Five people, oh, griping and groaning about, you know, people posting and not knowing, but they're there to learn. And then one other voice in the darkness says, well, yeah, it's valuable to me. And that's part of what happens, and part of, I, I really liked the first line in your scripture this morning where it said, the skilled mind is called discerning, because that's one of the things we need to do about online information is be discerning. Go at it, approach it in a smart way. So, to the good, it challenges us to be discerning about the information that we're consuming, because there are all kinds of things out there that are completely false, and people would be more than happy to have you trail down and, and really not be mindful about that information. So think it requires us to think about the information we're consuming. Organization is a great possibility for technology if we can kind of corral all of the options for organization in a way that's useful to us. I mean, you can have 15 different calendars, but if you're keeping 15 different things on 15 different calendars, you then have to go to 15 different calendars. It makes, that makes it very difficult. So think about the, the possibilities for organization and how it can help you bring everything back together. Reminders are super important in my life. My, uh, my technology telling me from my alarm clock to my phone, hey, it's time to go do this. Sunday morning for me is normally spent at home. I would be vacuuming uh, three Huskies and a Great Pyrenees hair right now if I were not here. But it reminded me, hey, you agreed to go do this, so go have this conversation. And then convenience. How many of you did any banking online this week? It's very convenient. It's extremely convenient. Pay all the bills. I don't, have to, I don't even have to physically write checks anymore, by and large. Um, so it's incredibly convenient as well. But all of those things can also have that bad backside if we are not careful. Absolutely. Yeah, I love what you said about the opportunity for connection. I think this is something we talked a little bit about last week. 
that technology offers us this really incredible opportunity to be present with one another. We know that, as Pastor Kyle said a couple weeks ago in a sermon, there's no such thing as a solitary Christian. We need each other to know God better, to serve the world. We need each other. I was just talking about this with the youth. So if we have any youth in the room, you might remember this lesson. If you think back to the creation story, think back to Genesis 1, Every day of creation, God says, it was good, it was good, it was good, it was good, it was good. It was very good when humans come onto the scene. Then if you turn the page to Genesis 2, we get the first not good. And the very first not good thing in the whole Bible is it was not good for the first person to be alone. That's why God made more people. That's how Genesis 2 tells the story. It's not good for us to be alone. And so when we use technology well, when we have a healthy relationship with it, it can be an incredible tool for connection. It also, organizationally, is how we keep this place running. I'm seeing lots of faces right now of people I've been emailing with all week as we're launching new small groups. What an incredible opportunity that is to be able to coordinate schedules and figure out where and when we're going to meet to get these small groups launched so that people can continue to have that connection that is so important to our faith. Technology isn't all bad. It certainly doesn't have to be all bad if we use it appropriately. So, Eric, I was hoping that you could share with us what are some of the like practical things we can do to actually heal our relationship with technology so that it can continue to be a source of good instead of harm in our lives. So, like anything else, number one, set limits. As a family, have a discussion. What are the limits going to be about bringing this to the dinner table where we're trying to have a conversation with each other instead of with our friends constantly connected to them while they're presenting only the good things about their lives and not having honest conversations about the difficulties. Um, think about times, places, everywhere else where it's appropriate or it's not appropriate and where you need attention to each other right, to be connected to the real people in the room instead of being connected to the rest of the outside world. Talk about appropriate behaviors for all situations, not just online, not just what's appropriate online or what's appropriate face-to-face, -face, but what's appropriate, period. Think about adults, adults. If you don't want a text, picture or tweet in front of your partner, your mom, your boss, or a judge. Don't take it. Don't send it. Okay? Because if you put it on your own phone, however unlikely, there is a possibility that it doesn't just stay on your phone. Again, you've made some agreements that data doesn't just exist for you. And then, definitely, no matter what, don't send it. Think twice, all of you, all of you, before you hit send. Think about how that could be received, whatever it happens to be. Um, right now, in fact, I was, I was reading about it just this morning, the Ken Jennings, 
who has now been named the permanent host of Jeopardy, just posted something, just trying to be funny. And now people are screaming about how it's been received, okay? Some people are. Other people think it's very funny. Perception is important. And so think before you hit send, not just about, I have the right to say this, but other people also have the right to respond. And how will they respond? Again, how does this influence my identity, their perception of me, my reputation online? And then, and maybe most importantly, take personal responsibility for the things that you say and post online. Because Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, Snapchat, they've written that uh, codified EULA that says they're not responsible for what you do and what you post online. You are responsible for what you do and you post online. There are people, forget the corporations, with not great intentions who really don't care about what happens to you, so you need to care about what happens to you. You need to be careful of you. Your real life connections, the people who show up, those are the ones who deserve your attention. Thank you very much. Part of this, this journey and part of what we hope the outcome of this sermon series is going to be is to be able to actually take practical steps to change how we use technology, how we think about it, the role it plays in our lives, and even the role that it plays in our faith. So one of the things that I'm actually working on is compiling a list of digital resources that can actually help grow your faith so that technology isn't just this I don't know, obstacle that we have to be careful with in our lives, but actually can make us better, can draw us closer to each other, can draw us closer to God. So I'm hoping to send that out to small group leaders next week. Um, There's some, some options on there, like being able to get a daily devotion emailed to you in the mornings, using the Bible app to follow a reading plan. You can listen to podcasts, or even Kyle Miller does a an incredible job of putting together a Spotify playlist of all the worship songs we use for each sermon series. So if you need that moment of meditation on your way into work in the morning or maybe on your way home from work is when you need the good old Christian songs to be playing on your radio, those are wonderful tools that you can use to actually use technology to grow in your faith so that it doesn't just become this kind of separate part of your life. So I'm working on that. If you have any resources that you have found really helpful, come find me after worship and tell me about them. Send me an email. I would love to include those on the list. Speaking of tools, Eric, I see you have shown up to church today with a wrench. Do you want to tell me why you brought that? It's just a visual. I'm not here to fix the plumbing. What is this? Adjustable wrench. Somebody threw out crescent wrench last time. That tells me they're at least as old as I am. All this is, is a tool with a design purpose. Okay? It's not a 5 8 wrench. I can go 5 8 one half. I can go metric. Ooh. But all this is, is a tool. And that's all social media is. Now, this has a designated purpose. So... Can you think of another use for this aside from turning a bolt or a nut? Sorry? Paperweight. Could be. All right? 
That's got a strong bar it on it. It could be used as a lever if I need to pry something away from something else. In a pinch, it can be used as a hammer, even though it really shouldn't be. And somebody did say, yes, in fact, I could use it as a weapon. The symbolism simply is this. This can be used for its intended purpose, and we can think of all kinds of other ways to use the tools that we've been given that can be really helpful in building or can also be super destructive very quickly. How we decide to use them ultimately defines how that shakes out, and that ultimately defines how things play out for you. Thank you so much, Eric. Let's give him a round of applause. Thank you, thank you. Eric, you can have a seat. Band, you can come on up. Let's just take a moment to pray together. Dear God, thank you for this day. Thank you for the wisdom that goes before us, the wisdom that comes from the scriptures, the wisdom from Proverbs today, and the wisdom of the community of faith that goes before us, the parents, the teachers, the mentors, and even the social media quote-unquote experts. God, we give you thanks for all the ways that they are teaching us how to live rightly, how to be true to ourselves, how to be true to you, how we can be healthy and holy, especially in this digital world where we have technology at our fingertips, where we have the potential for good or harm. God, we pray that our minds would indeed be discerning. We pray that you would put people in our lives who help us to discern which paths lead to death and which paths are straight. We pray that you would heal us of our addictions, that you would help us to set limits and to have the hard conversations, maybe with ourselves, maybe with our families. Maybe we need help. Maybe we need to seek out the advice of somebody who has gone before us on this journey. God, give us courage to be honest about the things that are helping our relationship with you and the things that are hurting. Heal us. Heal our hearts. Heal our relationship with this digital world. Help us to grow in faith and to be brave enough to put down the things that are stifling that growth. We ask this in the name of the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. Amen. Thank you for listening to the Peak Podcast. Make sure you subscribe wherever podcasts can be found. For more information on how to get connected with our church, please visit us at thepeakchurch.org.